we're always reluctant to leave the remembrance, of course, you know, such a lovely occasion. Always, uh, we want to be slow in leaving it, and indeed we should never forget about this occasion um, today and throughout the remaining days, throughout the week, we want to carry the thought of this occasion with us. And may the, the fragrance of, of this occasion remain with us. May we be a, a fragrance of Christ to others. That's what God would want, wouldn't he? Read with me, please, in a well-known portion of the Bible in John chapter 3. John chapter 2, rather. And here we have the first of Jesus' miracles. And it's turning the water into wine. There's a link here with the remembrance, I think. It's the third day, verse 1. There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was bidden. And his disciples to the marriage. And when the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now there were six water, po water pots of stone set there. After the Jews' manner of purifying, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the ruler of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which had drawn the water knew. The ruler of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man setteth on first the good wine, and when men have drunk freely, then that which is worse. Thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs did Jesus of Canaan in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. I think most of us will know, of course, when we read portions of scripture, we're not only reading of an event that literally, physically happened. We need to take time to think and to meditate and under God's help, under the direction of the Spirit of God, learn what other, other underlying spiritual lessons there would be for you and me in these precious 
things that happened in the Lord's life. And here we have a marriage. What does the Lord want us to think about when we read about this marriage? Hmm? He wants us to think about the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what he wants us to think about. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And we've had a, a supper in a sense this morning, haven't we? A great feast. We, we, we sung it in a hymn, didn't we? I've just uh, got it here. God now brings us to his, well, his dwelling. Spreads for us a feast of love. Bids us welcome, ever telling what our portion is about. Brings us to his dwelling, spreads for us a feast of love. I wonder what's all in that. Well, we've uh, enjoyed a, a feast this morning. Do you remember the time when the Lord instituted this remembrance feast unto himself? Do you remember that time? We read of it in the, the Gospels. The disciples were together, of course, to keep the Passover. And what a feast that was. We don't keep the Passover now. The remembrance supersedes it. And of course, they went through all the procedure, whatever was involved in keeping the, the Passover. And then the Lord instituted this remembrance feast unto himself. And the remembrance is important. Do this in remembrance of me. We're never to forget. Never to forget. And that Passover feast, it was one of the feasts of Jehovah. And God says you will keep it. You'll keep it at the appointed time. In its appointed seasons, you have to keep that Passover. It was Israel's foundation feast. And if you don't keep the Passover, you'll not keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Neither will you know the blessings of the Feast of Firstfruits. Christ. The one who rose from the dead. And if you have not shared in the Passover, you'll not share in the resurrection. The Passover, of course, is not the remembrance. The remembrance supersedes it. The Passover is Christ's death upon the cross. Christ our Passover has been offered. That's the experience all of us must have. And I know as I look around the room today, I'm sure that's an experience that we've all had. That was the foundation feast, and that's where Christian life begins. It begins at the Passover. Well, it begins at the cross. And when we've had a dealing with Christ at the cross... 
we know that the blessings of all of those other feasts, there were seven feasts of Jehovah, and the blessings of all of those other feasts would be ours. Resurrection, first fruits, weeks, the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and so forth. Trumpets, the coming of the Lord. And we're waiting for that day, aren't we? We're waiting for that day when the trumpet shall sound. We mustn't get too local, parochial in our thinking. We look at the wider picture. We look beyond the event of Christ and his disciples and his mother at this marriage feast. We look beyond the event in itself to learn this, the spiritual import of this and what God would remind us of and what God would point us forward to. And life is not just about what we see, is it? Life is not just being here as we are this morning within the four walls of our church here. There's greater things to come. There's greater things to come. And God has spread before us a feast this morning. We've eaten physical bread, but we're reminded that we've eaten of spiritual bread. We drink a physical cup, but we're reminded that we've drunk of a spiritual cup. And we have that spiritual life within us. Because of Christ, the bread of life, who gave himself for us. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall live forever. Now, of course, you understand. I'm not saying that we do that literally on a Lord's Day morning. Yes, literal bread, literal wine but we're reminded of spiritual bread, the bread which came down out of heaven to give life un unto this world. We need to read of that wonderful event in Revelation chapter 19. And here we read about that marriage supper. And as we shared in a supper this morning, God would really point us forward. We look back, of course, in remembrance. But it's just a foretaste of that marriage supper that's yet to come. What a glorious event that will be. In chapter 19 of Revelations, after these things, I heard, as it were, a great voice of a great multitude of heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, and so forth. I'll not go into all that's there. Maybe we'll maybe try and cover that, some of it, another night. Verse 7, let us rejoice. And be exceeding glad. Let us give the glory unto him. 
for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are bidden to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are true words of God. These are true words of God. And we know that. We believe it, don't we? We believe it. And we need to thank God that he's given us the faith to believe it and to know it and to have experienced it. For we live in days of great apostasy and great unbelief. Stephen Hawkins, the brilliant scientist, and sadly, an out-and-out atheist, wrote a book. I think it was him, Stephen Hawkins or Richard Dawkins, one of them. They're both atheists. The God Delusion. The God Delusion. How tragic. These words are true. That's what God says to us. And that's what God says to men today and women. These words are true. These words are true. And we share in something this morning and it points us forward to this great day. Going back to John 2. Jesus was bitten. Jesus was bitten. And his disciples. And his mother. How wonderful. How wonderful. Well, we'll maybe explore in detail if I can. Another night, just who are here? The bride of the Lamb. But we'll be there. We'll be there. Jesus and his disciples and his mother will be there. Doesn't that comfort our hearts? Mm? Doesn't that give us a real sense of purpose as we're here this morning? Only a few of us. Yet what a day that'll be. What a day that will be. Many shall come from the east and the west. They'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Blessed. Forgive me, please. Blessed. Happy. We're happy, aren't we? We're happy. Amen. Amen. Blessed are they which are bidden. He was was the Lord. He was bidden. And he went. Didn't officiate. Didn't have any status at this wedding, and yet he went. It's lovely, isn't it? Well, there's other lessons in that for us too, isn't there? You know, that our service for the Lord doesn't just need to be around the Bible, spiritual things, church. There might be a secular activity that the Lord might want you to be involved in for the sake of your family, friends. But it's lovely the thought that the Lord went. I wonder where the Lord has been this morning at our remembrance 
Jesus hier. Jesus hier. He said, and I think it's Luke. Forgive me. No, we won't find it. Ah, oh, yes. When the hour was come, that's Luke 22, and he sat down, and the apostles with him, he says, with desire, desire to eat this Passover. See, there's more in this than the Lord sitting down with his disciples at that point in time, keeping the Passover and instituting that new remembrance feast unto himself. He's alluding to that future day, that great supper, great feast. Jesus will be there, and his disciples will be there. And he sits down and he says, I desire to sit with you. And I just wonder, well, here's the Lord, and he's sitting with his disciples. He hasn't been around the table with us this morning. But Jesus is there. Jesus has been here. He was always in the midst of his people in the Old Testament, always in the midst. And Jesus has been here this morning. And as we remember him, well, I thrill to the thought of him sitting there. But anyway, we don't want to push it too far. But his desire... The Lord, I think, is pointing our minds forward to this future day when he's going to sit down, he'll sit down with those who are his own, his disciples. Jesus was there and his disciples. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, are we all going to be there? Well, many think they will be. Many shall come from the east and the west. Blessed are they which are bidden. Luke 14 and 16. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Many shall not eat bread. Many shall not eat bread. In fact, many can't come here today and eat bread with us. Can't do it. They maybe could do it. But God doesn't allow it. The Old Testament, the Passover, the people of God could keep the Passover. God's people. He said, the stranger will not keep it. The hired servant will not keep it. The alien will not keep it. And at that future marriage supper of the Lamb, many will not eat in that day. Many will not eat. In Matthew, is it 
22. I haven't uh, made a clear note of some of my scriptures this morning. Matthew 22, I think. Matthew 22. A certain king, in verse 2, which made a marriage feast for his son... And he sent forth his servants to call them which were bidden. And God is calling men today, calling them through the gospel. And he's calling them to a marriage feast. And how many make an excuse? And we read of the excuses there. And men make excuses. And Israel made excuses. Primarily, this invitation went firstly to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And in Matthew, we, we read about the Lord's response. That draws us off, puts us in another angle. Psalm 2, the Lord, the armies of this world coming against his people and so forth. And God bringing Israel to its knees. But the point I'm drawing out here is the invitation that's gone out and we've responded. We thank God that we've responded. We also read about ten virgins. Five were foolish and five were wise. And the bridegroom comes. He comes. And those that were ready went to meet him. And those that were not ready, they found the door shut. And they knocked. They said, let us in. I don't know you, the Lord says. I don't know you. Depart from me. I think I spoke on this last time here. You know the woman with the issue of blood? She was ashamed of her problem. She creeps through the multitudes because she was ashamed. She says, if I only just touch the hem of his garment. And he turns round, he says, somebody touched me. The disciple says, Lord, he says, dozens of people are touching you. No, he says, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Wouldn't it be tragic if we've come to church every week, if we've touched the Bible, touched Christians, maybe we felt we've touched Jesus, and yet we've never touched Jesus the way that woman touched Jesus a touch of faith drew out all the power of almighty God the saver the cleanser there's ten virgins five were foolish and five were wise many will say to me in that day Lord did we not do this in your name did we not do that the Lord's going to turn to them and say I never knew you never knew you depart from me 
We're ready, aren't we? We're all ready. We're all ready. The bridegroom comes today. We'll not be locked out, will we? None of us locked out. Blessed are they that are bidden to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed. And happy are we that we'll be there. And I trust that's true of us all, that we'll all be there. We'll not be shut out. We read in Matthew, probably this same chapter in Matthew, actually, of strange to read of it. When the king came in to behold the guests, see in John chapter 2, Jesus is really on the sidelines. He's not the center of it. He's not officiating. But here, when he comes in to behold the guests, just picture it. We'll all be sitting there as you would at a marriage feast. It's a happy occasion. It's a family occasion. It's a special occasion. It's a feasting occasion. And we're all sitting and we're just waiting for the bride and the bridegroom to come in. And then they come in and we see them. We see the bride in all her glory and the bridegroom. Well, here he comes in to behold the guests. And he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And we picture the bride and she's got on her wedding garment, her white gown. And she looks brilliant. She looks beautiful. And she looks glorious. And we love to see the bride, don't we, at a wedding. Everybody wants to see the bride and to behold her as she walks down the aisle. And it just reminds us that the Lord has clothed us, clothed us, clothed us with the garments of salvation. And here's this man. I don't know how he got there. Don't think he could be there. I think the Lord is just telling us, you be ready. Make sure you're ready. Make sure that you're clothed with his garments. That's the garments of righteousness through faith in Christ to those who believe. That's the garments that we need. Not the garments of self-righteousness, because there is filthy garments. In the Old Testament, we read about a priest, Joshua, and God says, take his garments off him, his filthy garments. Take them off him and put on other garments, garments of glory. And that's the bride in Revelation, clothed with garments. And here's this man, and he hasn't got on the right garment. And maybe he was trusting in his own goodness, trusting in his church, trusting in something else. And he didn't have the the righteousness of Christ clothing him. And Jesus says, cast him out, cast him out. Solemn occasion to come. But we rejoice this morning, and that's really just what I wanted to bring before us. We've, we've shared in this great feast this morning. I read that verse again. And it reminds us what we've done this morning of that glorious event that's yet to come. God now brings us to his dwelling, spreads for us a feast of love, bids us welcome, ever telling.
and that glorious day that's to come when we will sit down, the Lord and his disciples, New Testament, Old Testament, and it's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of rejoicing. And may we just lift our hearts up, not to get just too localized in our thinking, not too blinkered, to get bogged down with circumstances in life. And there's a lot that can make us sad, you know, illness. As we get older, we're not so able, and maybe we don't see a lot of results from the work that we do. But we're the Lord's. We're the Lord's. And we're amongst those who have been bidden to that great feast and marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. So we bow with thanks, our God, and just to be together, a few of us, thank you that you've blessed us. And thank you that we're part of a great throng. We just thank you for that. We thank you that you would encourage us through those simple, seemingly simple events in the life of your son. But, oh God, we know there's something far deeper meaning below the surface when we look at these things. And we just thank you for what you can do with six water pots. And we'll plan to look at that again. So hear our prayers as we give thanks and seek a blessing upon the assembly here, individually, collectively, in their work together. So hear our prayers as we bow with thanks in his name, the Lord Jesus.